a difference and I'll follow one day at a Father, Lord, that is so true. Lord, there's a lot of voices that speak. There's a lot of things going on, and Satan desires to afflict. But Lord, there's one voice that makes all the difference, Lord. And Father, if you would just come and speak to us this morning. Lord, help us to lay ourselves aside as a speaker, as the hearer, O God, that we would just allow you to come and speak to us, Lord. Father, that we could get in your presence just for a few moments. Lord, that there would be an atmosphere, Lord, that would create a real life of Jesus Christ in our midst this morning, Lord. Father, we just want to turn to you, the author of our faith, O God, the author of creation, Lord Jesus, that by you do all things consist, then you would have the fullness and the preeminence in all things. Lord, we ask that we just, you would come and have the preeminence in this service, have the preeminence in the reading of the word. Thank you, Lord, that you are here. Forever two or three are gathered in your name, you say you'd be there in the midst of them. And Lord, when we can come and say, I'm not able, you come and take control. Fathers, we're confessing this morning, Lord, we're not able to overcome. We're not able to do these things. We're not able to deliver the word the way it's fit. But Lord, if you would come, Jesus, you could make it live in our lives. 
and make it, oh God, that it's a reality that as we approach communion tonight, Lord, it's more of a communing, a relationship, a one-on-one with you, Jesus. We need you, oh God. We need you more today than ever before. Father, we commit this service to you now. In Jesus Christ's name, I pray. Amen and amen. Amen. Let's take our Bibles together. Thank you, Brother Ryan. Musicians. Amen. Amen. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 22. The other day when I had to song lead, I was filling in for Brother Ray. And I have to say, he does a much better job. Amen. Amen. Thank you. I was hoping someone would say amen, and it wasn't just me. (laughs) Amen. Matthew chapter 22, verse 20. Let's start at verse 17, actually. They asked him, they said, Tell us, therefore, what thinkest thou? Is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? But Jesus perceived their wickedness and said, Why tempt ye me, you hypocrites? Show me the tribute money. And they brought unto him a penny. And he saith unto them, Whose is this image and subscription? They say unto him, Caesar's. And he said unto them, Render unto Caesars the things which are Caesars, and unto God the things that are God's. And when they heard these words, they marveled and left him and went their way. Amen. May the Lord and his blessing to the word. You may have your seats. I want to carry on from a Wednesday service I took about a week and a half ago, but We're not going to go back and explain it, so if you don't remember it, that's okay. But we'll just use this to tie in to our title. This morning would be the express beauty of the seed. The express beauty of the seed. But I want to start here in Matthew chapter 22. And here was a very familiar story to us where they brought Jesus a penny to, to, to try and trick him into, is it lawful to pay tribute? Is it not lawful? Is he going to go against the state? Is he going to go with the state? What's he going to do? Try and put him in a corner. But in all of it, Jesus uses very specific words when he says, render unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's, and unto God's, or render unto God the things which are God's, which is a, quite a, a striking choice of words. He doesn't say give unto Caesar or anything. He uses a word of render. To render something, render it to Caesar or render it to God. Why is it rendered from one to the other? He says, whose image does it bear? If it bears the image of that person, render it to that person. If it bears the image of Caesar, give it to Caesar. If it bears the image of the world, it's the world's. If it bears the image of God, it's God's. Amen. There's everything has to have an image that it bears. It's an identification marking of whose it belongs to. 
And we find that render, to render something is to return it or to inflict as a retribution or to give on demand or to make or cause to be something by influence or by a change. To render something. I I just want to spend some time on this word with you this morning to lay a foundation. To render something is to translate it. To surrender or to yield or give up, uh, up the command or possession of something. To afford or to give for use of benefit. To represent or to render back, to restore. Or it's also to give an account. An account given is to render something. A rendering of a life. Live for what is right. It creates and it bears an image of that life. And now I want to just take a, a, a simple example. I remember when I was a child that we used to make family videos. I don't know if anyone ever did that, but we used to do those kinds of things. And, and it would take a lot of time. I remember my older sister just spending hours and hours and hours on this. It's not this way anymore, but... They used to be that way on Adobe Photoshop, the thing would crash. And then you'd finally get it back up and working, and you'd get a little more, and then you'd just about click the save button, or it's in the middle of saving, and it'd crash. You had to go back and redo it all over again. But finally, when you got to what you thought was a, a good portion, you would click a button that was the rendering button. In other words, it was, it was something that would put it all together in a smooth motion that this is what the creator of that video intended it to look like. It takes out all the little edit clips and all the little jots and things and makes it all run smoothly. And back in those days, it took a long time. Sometimes we'd click the render button and go to bed. And then the most disappointing thing was you wake up in the morning and it says error. Like, oh man. All of that, I thought I'd wake up, be able to watch this thing and it'd be great, but no, it's all just got an error and I gotta do it all over again and wait a whole nother day. But he's the potter. Jesus is the potter, we're the clay. And sometimes it takes us, it's just going on forever and it takes so much, but he's rendering a certain image in your life for a purpose. And sometimes we do mess it all up. We do something wrong and it seems like, oh, I tried so hard at that. And he fell flat on his face again. But it says in Jeremiah, he says, but he wants to pick that clay back up again and put it back on the potter. We'll break it down and begin to render the image all over again for a purpose. To bring out a a, a desired expression of what the creator or the sculptor desired to make in that pot or in that clay. Hey man, I want you to turn with me to 1 John chapter 3. I want to look at the rendering of the life. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 1. It says, Behold, what manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us, that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew not him. Behold, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall, what we shall be, that we, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Amen. So in other words, he's saying the the, the image isn't exactly finished yet, but we know that when it's finished, when he comes and he appears, we'll know it's him because it's the same as the image that's born by the individual. It's an exact match. It's an exact expression of what the creator was always intending. 
And it says, and every man that hath this hope in him just lives any old way. No, it says he purifieth himself even as he is pure. In other words, there is a part for you to do. In other words, there's a part that you need to purify in order to lay in the presence of God and say, Lord, don't let me be that that clay that just falls apart at the wrong moment. Where you got to break it down again and begin to render the image again. And it's a frustrating process sometimes in the flesh, but it's a necessary process. Job went through a rendering process. Job had to go through a rendering process. And in this process, sometimes there was times where he, where he cursed the day that he was born. You know, why did these things happen? How come we had to go through these things? Well, was it sometimes the clay that God was trying to mold? Sometimes it broke down. But when God finally came, when there finally came the right atmosphere and God came on the scene, he's, he began to talk to him and then begin to express to him, don't worry about all of those things. I've got it in control. I'm the potter. You were so busy trying to think you could shape your own life, but you can't. Hey Amen. Go ahead. Try it sometime. If you ever get on a spinning wheel, just take a lump of clay, put it on there and just start spinning. Watch what happens. It'll just fly all over the place, at best, or do nothing. It takes a skilled hands to begin to carve it in a certain way and put their fingers and make it in a certain shape after the image that they thought in their mind. It was for a purpose that God was putting Job through these things. So that he could express himself the way he thought, the the way God had a thought of Job saying, Job, this is what I have for you. And we know in the scriptures, my thoughts towards you, they're good. They're thoughts of an expected and a good end. Amen. There's not evil thoughts to say, I'm going to put you through all this for nothing. No, it's good thoughts that he says, as image to say, I've got a certain design in mind. Go with me to Hebrews chapter 5. You just continue to lay this in, and I have a lot of notes this morning, so we'll just trust the Lord. Amen. I'm not that much of an evangelist. Brother Maxwell is much more of one. I heard that Saturday morning at about 6.30. He didn't really have any notes. And then I heard that the service was like he had all kinds of notes. That's a gift. Sometimes I have so many notes, and God says, you don't need all that. Let's turn to Hebrews chapter 5. Verse 7. This is talking about Christ. And it says, Who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death. Oh my, I want to preach on that sometimes with Isaiah chapter 53. He bore our griefs and our sorrows. Strong crying and tears. Something in him that just began to push out. But it came from a realm of a spirit realm that was pushing out, bearing grief, bearing sorrows of of us. Oh my. And was heard in that he feared. Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things that he suffered. Amen. We love that scripture, yet it's so hard to read sometimes. He learned obedience by the things that he suffered. We, we, we want it to be easy. We want it to happen so quick and so easily. But it says he learned obedience to Jesus Christ. 
God the Son. Brother Branham would say that when he was born, he was the Son of God. But when the Holy Spirit came down as a dove and rested upon him, he became the Word made flesh. But he was always a Son, but he had to learn obedience through the things that he suffered. And it says, in being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation unto all that obey, all them that obey him. Oh my. By the things that he suffered, he was made perfect so that he could step into the role that he already was foreordained for. The seed was already planted. It wasn't that God became something he was not. He already was the author of eternal salvation, but he had to go through a process to become, to enable to step into that manifestation of who he was. Amen. He couldn't just step into it as Jehovah and say, okay, now I'm just going to be this. No, he had to go through suffering. He had to be perfected to prove that there could be a life that is lived under the worst of circumstances. That we go through such brutal scars, church. Not, not in our flesh, but in our spirit realm. That we have such scars that we bear things that were said, things that were done. And we bear that and they creep up over and over and over again. But he went through that times. Can you imagine having a ministry that he had and they say, you're Beelzebub. How many times is it recorded in the scripture he went up over Jerusalem? Oh, Jerusalem. Oh, Jerusalem. How often I would have hovered over you. Since he went up over the city after the triumphal entry and he wept over the city. That wasn't a fleshly weeping. That was something from inside coming out saying, oh, you've rejected your king. Brother Andrew, you don't understand what I've been through. I know maybe I don't, but Jesus does. He knows everything you've been through. And through that suffering, it was for a purpose that it could express the image of God himself. Hallelujah. Let's go back to Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. We'll end in Revelation sometime. Chapter 1 and verse 1 says this. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And the earth was without form and was void and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. What I want you to notice what's happening here is he's beginning to form to create the image that God desired to express. That the Logos came out from God and it began to speak the word of God into, into a manifestation, into seed form. That he began to create, and it says that the earth was as out form and void, and, and it, it was the darkness was upon the face of the earth. Let me say this, that was not the express image of what God desired. But yet it was the seed that come forth. It had to start somewhere. Amen. Potentially it was. All the potentials were there because the word of God was spoken. But what happened, the spirit of God had to come down and move upon the face of the waters. It began to move. It began to, 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 to bring about an atmosphere that could bring about the beauty of the seeds that were now planted. 
And if you jump over to chapter 2 with me, forgive me for going so fast. I'm going to try to slow down just a little bit here. Genesis chapter 2 and verse 5. Now it comes down, and this is even a type of the seventh seal and many things, but it says, in every plant of the field, as we know, and sorry, let me back up, and I said I'd slow down, so I'll slow down. All right. Chapter 1, it goes through the different days. And one day he began to speak and there began to be seeds planted for what? For the trees and the herb of the field and the grass and all of these things. And he began to speak again and he divided the day from the night. And he began to speak again and there become whales and fish in the water and fowls in the air and all of these things. Finally come down to the sixth day where he spoke and he said, let us create man in our own image. And he created, man, created he them, both male and female. Created he them. And now when they came, and, and, and there was man in his image, but still everything was in seed form. Yeah. I want you to catch that. Everything at this moment was in seed form. It wasn't that man had a body. It wasn't that there were trees growing. Because if you jump down to chapter 2, it says that in verse 5, it says that every plant of the field before it was in the earth, and every herb of the field before it grew, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth. And there was not a man to till the ground. Now, hold on, hold on, hold on. I thought in chapter 1 it said that he created man. But now you come down to chapter 2, it says, but there's not a man to till the ground. And it hasn't rained upon the earth. But I thought chapter 1 said that the trees, they grew and they, they brought forth after their kind. Yes, potentially, they were all there ready to produce. Because when the word of God comes out, it will bring forth, it will manifest that which it's spoken to do. But just because you don't see it like that doesn't mean nothing's happening. So here we have it, Brother Tim, in Genesis chapter 2, where now God is in silence. Because this now is the seventh day. God is resting. It says all through chapter 1, God spoke, God spoke, God spoke, God spoke. Let there be, let there be, let there be. But now it says God rested. But what's happening in all of this now, he says, and we go to the next verse, it says, and there went up a mist from the earth and watered the whole face of the earth. And what's the first thing that happened? And the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So now he fixes verse 5, where verse 5 said, there is no rain upon the earth. Verse 6 says he caused the dew to come up. Verse 7 says he created a man to till the ground. He gave him a body, amen. Now the seeds that were sown, they begin to take on a manifestation, a form that they were always meant. God didn't have to speak again. He'd already spoke and now was bringing manifest what he already spoke. Now the beauty of the seed was beginning to become formed. Hallelujah. Brother Mark, if you put that slide up there for me. Just go ahead and put the first slide up, if you will. I want to just show you this. How many knows what that is? Good, there's no horticulturalist here. That's a water lily seed. That's fairly ugly, isn't it? I don't know about you, but I don't look at that and go, man, that's pretty. It's not, but if you go to the next, the next slide, that's what comes out of it. In the beginning, you look at it, but all the potential of that was in those ugly seeds. 
that didn't look like much. They didn't look like they had very much. But eventually they got right in the right atmosphere. The Spirit of God began to move upon the face of the waters. And out of that began to come something. Hallelujah. You can take that down. Thank you. God was manifesting his son, his creation in silence. Oh, we could just take that right over into Revelations right now if you wanted to. It says, and there was silence in heaven about the space of a half an hour. There had been seals breaking forth. There had been thunders and all kinds of things. But in this one, when it broke, silence. Because all the word of God that had been spoken before, and there had been all kinds of things. So just like Brother Benham describes it, I'm jumping way ahead, but we'll go anyways. But as Brother Benham describes it, the seed when it's planted in the ground, the church began to come up in a stalk and in all of these things. But when the seed begins to form, it's a hidden forming. You don't physically watch it. You see the stock come up. You see the chaff begin to be there. You see the shock. You see all those things, but you don't see the seed until it's already formed. Hallelujah. Now I need to back way back up again. Romans chapter 8. Once again, familiar to all of us, Romans chapter 8. I love how you can take scriptures that are so familiar and they just keep opening, opening, opening. Hallelujah. It's kind of like popcorn sometimes. You take those corn seeds, you put them in there, not much to look at, but put a little heat under them. Take the seed of the word, you add a little bit of the fire of the Holy Ghost in it, and it starts popping. It begins forming something. It begins expanding and growing until that little container can't hold it anymore. You fill up a whole bowl. And it just starts overflowing from there. That's the spiritual popcorn. Amen. That was for the kids. Romans chapter 8, verse 29. It says, for whom he did for no, he, did, he also did predestinate. In other words, whom he did for no, he put a seed in them. It might not have been much. It might have just been some ugly little seed that didn't look like it could produce anything. But the point is, he put a seed there. That he, that to be, for a purpose, to be conformed to the image of his son. In other words, there was an express image of this seed. That it was to come to, but it needed to have the right, the right materials, the right atmosphere to manifest what that seed was made to be. Yeah. Amen. Amen. The image of his son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. Hallelujah. So he's not just a son. He's the son. And there's many others to come after him that are in his image. How did he get that image? Through a whole lot of suffering. Hebrews chapter 1. You don't have to turn to it. We'll just put it on the screen. Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. Says, who being the brightness of his glory, this is Christ and the express image of his person. He was the express image. In other words, he was the expression of the image of God. And upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Oh, hallelujah. 
Go to 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4. It says, In whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that which believe not. That small g, God, that's Satan. The one that controls this world, he's blinded the, the eyes, the minds. Not just the eyes, but the minds so that they couldn't see. They're going insane. And they couldn't see, they wouldn't believe, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. He keeps bringing this up over and over and over again. There's an image. There is the image of God, and it is being portrayed down so that there would be an expression of that image in every day. Go with me to Colossians. We'll turn to this one. This one's really good. I think Brother Brown takes this and preaches Christ as the mystery of God revealed. Colossians chapter 1. Verse 15. says, Who is the image of the invisible God? The firstborn of every creature. That's not just in the old creation. That's not just because he was the Logos that came out and spoke, and he was the Spirit of God that moved upon the face of the waters, but also of the new creation. Amen. The Spirit-born creation. The church of the firstborn. Those ones. He says he's also the firstborn of every creature. Amen. For by him were all things created that are in heaven that are in the earth, visible, invisible, whether they be thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created by him and for him. Amen. Amen. Right there is your answer to any Trinitarian. Hallelujah. We should have gone there, Brother Max. (laughs) Right there is your answer. We had one in office not long ago, Trinitarian, that he just wouldn't, couldn't see it. Couldn't see see it in the scripture. We we just left the scripture out because... He wasn't going anywhere. But this is really the answer to say, listen, all things are created by him and for him. So in other words, Brother Branham actually takes that and says, whether it was God the Father or God the Holy Spirit or God the Son, all things were created by him and for him that he could have the preeminence, as the scripture goes on, in all things. Praise be to God. In other words, so that his image, the image of God that was born was Jesus Christ. It's the same image that's expressed through the Holy Spirit. It's the same image that was expressed in the the Old Testament. Hallelujah. The Bible says in the message, I don't remember. I think it's show us the Father. And he says, he says this is it's three manifestations of the same God. It's three attributes. God the, God the Father was in the wilderness in the form of the pillar of fire. And then that same God expressed himself in his son, which was the same God in his son. And now, the same God now expresses in you and I. Expresses himself in you and I. Now this is moving something beyond a reflection. A reflection is where you have an image, and the reflection is, is, is the reflection of that image shining off of it. You could be a reflection of Christ, but there's also where God now comes in you, and the Spirit of God begins to express out. And Brother Branham actually take it and say, well, your body and your works become a reflection of the life that's in you, which is that life is the expression of God. 
He says, as the Holy Spirit, the same God all the time, not three gods, three manifestations of the same God, three attributes of a father. That's what he was. He displayed it as a son, and that's what he was. And now as the Holy Spirit and his people, God condescending. He can't be touched because of sin. Notice that still applies today. Until there comes a true repentance, you can't have the life of Christ in you. Hallelujah. You have to come by a way of a true repentance where you die out to sin. And those things no longer have a hold on your life so that way God can come down and you can become an expression of him. God himself was made reflected in a man. That's Adam he's talking about. God himself was made a reflection in Adam. Because man was made in the image of God. But God was made in the image of man. Catch that now. What are you saying? He's saying that, that God made man in his own image. That was a reflection of who he was. But then God turned around and when he became man, he became in the image of God so that he was now the expression He says, in order to do what? To suffer. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Even John looked at it when he was in the prison and said, are you sure this is the one? Why isn't he taking the rod? Why isn't he stamping them out? Why isn't he doing all these mighty works and things like that? But he says, just go show John. The love of God begin to portray out of him. Oh, if we could just catch this love of Christ this morning. Where George, he didn't turn to John and say, John, don't you understand who I am? You introduced me. You saw the dove. How could you do this? Sorry. He didn't do that. No, he turned around and just said, just go show him what's happening. Just go show him that the scriptures are being fulfilled. Hallelujah. We don't need to look at anyone that's lost some faith and say, don't you understand? Weren't you there? Don't you, can't you just be a better Christian? No, just say, but look what God's doing in today. Look at how he's manifesting his word. Look at how he's becoming human flesh once again. Look at how God is coming down. Look at how he's manifesting himself and expressing himself and revealing himself as the son of man and a many-membered bride. Just begin to show that to them. We're not going back to be Adam. But we've received what Adam lost. Adam, a reflection of God. His wife was a reflection of him. But Christ is the expression of God. And the spirit that we received is the expression of the Logos today. That's what I read in the quote where Brother Brown says the same God that was there in the pillar of fire, the same God was there in the Logos in the beginning. It's the same expression today as this second Eve that will not fall. Why? Because she's not just a reflection of the reflection. Hallelujah. She's the expression of the expression. Hallelujah. Yet it's feminine in designation. The bride, feminine in designation. Why? Because God separated out the same way he did for Adam where he took out of his side a rib. And the feminine spirit and he made Eve, the woman, as, a, as God brought it to her. And Adam called it the woman. He wasn't Eve until, she wasn't Eve until after the fall. 
But we find, what was it? It was the feminine spirit the same way Christ died on the cross. What happened? There was a gaping hole in his side and the water and the blood poured out. To do what? The femininity came out. To come into a many-member church. In other words, what was it? That he could be the head. So that way there would be a bride that it wasn't that she had a masculine authority, but she had a feminine authority. Though equal, she was the subject to the head. Hallelujah. It's a lot in a few statements, but I hope you can catch that. He's the head of the whole thing, and we must be subject to him. And we know it's not the Holy Spirit if it isn't subject to the Word of God. Because that was the head, and the Spirit we receive is to be subject to that. Benham carries on and shows us the Father. He says, I believe that this Bible... Sorry, this is a different, this is Jesus Christ, the same yesterday and forever. He says, I believe that this Bible, the word right here, this Bible is God in print form. And I believe that this Bible is a seed. Take the book. Eat the book. What are you eating? You say, it doesn't look all that pretty. I'm not sure what's all going to happen. It's a seed. It's got to get down into the right soil of your heart so that we can produce the beauty that it was meant to produce. These words are seeds. Jesus said, a sower went forth to sow. We better stop and just go here. Matthew chapter 13. This is such a beautiful. Say, Brother Andrew, we all know this scripture. Matthew chapter 13, a sower went forth to sow, and he sowed seeds. Some fell on this ground, some fell on that ground, right? We're going to go read where he talked to his disciples. Because by this shall all men know you are my disciples. You have loved one for another, right? Are we the disciples? All right, good. We don't have to read the parable. We can just read the interpretation. Matthew chapter 13 and verse 18. It says, Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. When anyone heareth the word of the kingdom, right here, and understandeth it not, Then cometh the wicked one, and catcheth away that which was sown in his heart. This is he which received the seed by the wayside. I want to just update this a little bit for you so you understand, and I think you do, but when you receive the seed, it's not literally that someone comes and takes the Bible away. But it's someone that's trying to grasp at straws. It doesn't understand or comprehend what they're reading because the Spirit of God isn't in them or they haven't listened to the, the Spirit that's trying to speak to them. And they said they tried to understand their own way. What will happen? He'll come in and give you all kinds of doctrines. He'll give you all kinds of things. That this means this and that means that. And don't you understand that this is that? Oh, the devil, he's a great theologian. But Brother Brown says it's the same discernment that gave him the perfect discernment in the prayer line. That gave him discernment over the word. It's the same discernment. It's a simple concept. But he says this now, he says that, they, that he would receive, and, but he, verse 20, that received the seed into the stony places, the same as he that hearing the word and anon with joy receiveth it. It's a joyful experience. To this one, he receives it. It's wonderful, it's good, but he says, yet there's no root in himself, but dureth for a while, for when tribulations and persecution ariseth. In other words, he's so happy that the potter picked his clay. But when he puts him on the wheel and begins to mold him, all of a sudden, I don't like this anymore. 
Put me back on the shelf. This hurts. I don't want to be in this kind of shoes anymore. Why? They didn't have any roots. He says, and then tribulation arises because of the word. Because the seed that's been planted, persecution begins to arise. By and by, he is offended. Hallelujah. He also hath received receive seed among the thorns and he heareth the word and the cares of the world and deceitfulness of riches choke the word and he becometh unfruitful. Now let me just say, this becomes the deceitful one. Because it doesn't say he's dead. It says he doesn't bear fruit. In other words, there's still a tree there. There's still a plant there. It still looks like something. It still looks like a Christian. But there's no fruit coming from it. Why? Because they picked something else instead. That little cleaver that began to wrap itself around. They thought, oh, this is a wonderful blessing from God. This is beautiful. And it just starts choking and choking and choking until pretty soon you're like, why is that one not bearing any fruit? It receives seed among the thorns and among the thistles. But then there's another one. He that receiveth seed in the good ground is he that heareth the word and understandeth it, which also beareth fruit and bringeth forth some a hundredfold and some sixty and some thirty. In other words, this seed, it begins to bring forth what it was meant to bring forth. He doesn't say 30 is better than 100 or 60 or 30 or this one's better than that one. No, he says some just bring forth what they're made to bring forth. In other words, they manifest what they were intended to manifest when they're put in the good soil of a heart of a believer. He says, this is it. Brother Branham, going back to this, he says, the word of God is a seed. Jesus said it was. Then God in print form, if you receive it in your heart, and when the Holy Spirit waters that seed, it brings forth that promised crop. Any kind of seed you sow, it'll bring that kind of crop. That's right. You reap what you sow, good or bad, you're going to reap it. And he said, we've sowed in this great revival going, to, going by a lot of intellectual seed. And boy, have we seen the reaping of that crop. A lot of intellectual seed in around the message and denominations that just want to lift up the message and want to lift up the, the, the word of God Intellectually. He said, why? Why did that come about? They sowed that seed. It didn't just happen. No, they sowed that seed. And he said, but we've got an intellectual crop. He said, that's right. But if we sow gospel seed, we'd have a gospel crop. And we need to get back to the principles of the Bible teachings, back to the Bible, back to the Holy Spirit upon the Word of God that makes the Word of God live. He says, now he was the son of God when he was born. But when he was baptized by John, the, John in the Jordan and saw the Holy Spirit come down, he says, then him being the word, then the word began to show itself. He was always a son of God. So as the scripture we read, we are now the sons of God. But there has to come a process of, uh, of suffering and of obedience so that we can come and we can begin to manifest what a son of God is supposed to manifest. Amen. The word beginning to show itself. The word begin to manifest itself. Oh, praise be to God. No way begin to manifest the word. The word begins to manifest itself. Amen. Amen. That's the expression. If you're manifesting the word, that begins to become a reflection. 
Because it's you doing it, but when it's God doing the work. When you can lay in his presence, let him speak, let him move. Hallelujah. We as ministers, we're not called to make the seed grow. We're called to make an atmosphere. We're called to preach the word of God so that we would create an atmosphere where Jesus Christ could come and he could make the seed grow. Because he's the only one that can make it happen. Look at a water lily for a moment. A water lily, it comes up from the deep, darkest, miry clay. Way down the mud in the bottom of that pond. But as it begins to come up and as it begins to, we saw the picture, the big lily pads. And, and it begins to bring forth the fruit of the flowers. Amen. And it begins to manifest this. You know what it does? That's the perfect. You can actually drown a lily. Do you know that? Just put it in a fountain. Let the water keep splashing down on it. Yeah, you can drown a lily. Isn't that wonderful? If we sit up here and preach all kinds of condemnation, and we just keep beating you over the head with the word of God, you could drown a water lily. Uh, it's okay, I looked that up through several websites to make sure. But a water lily is best in still waters. Where it's planted and it's sucking up the life from the word, the water of the word. And it begins to bring that life up. And what's happening from the top side? The sun. They say a water lily should have at least six hours of sun every day. Oh, it's beautiful. You can be planted. You can be feeding on the word of God. But lay in the presence of the Son. It's not just truth. It's not just spirit. It's spirit and truth that come together. And you're there in the middle of it. That's what's going to produce the fruit. And you know what else a water lily does? He gets those great big pads going on and all these things. You know what it begins to choke out? All the seeds the devil planted. They say what it does is it robs the algae underneath of the sunlight it needs to grow. So you can look at it and say, Brother Algie, you know what I've done in my life? You know my past? You know my history? It's under the blood. It's under a water lily pad that it's choking out the sunlight so it can't grow. It can't come up. You say, but I'm going to reap what I sow. But keep staying in the word of God. And that stuff can be choked out so there's no more life in it. Oh, praise be to God. We are now the sons of God. We're made to manifest, amen, by predestination. You are always a son or daughter of God. But when they get the life in you, it begins to manifest what that seed was always meant to. The beauty of it begins to come out. Oh, the beauty of a lived voice. Now we'll go back to show us the Father where he says, Jesus says, let it, let it yet a little while. And the world seeth me no more, yet you will. Oh, yet I'll be with you, even in you, to the end of the world. God in us. Now, it looks like this, that anyone could see. Many times, people saw Jesus was a Jew. Some people then said he was half Gentile, half Jew. And others said neither one. He was God. He was neither one. He was God. That's who he was. Now remember, when a baby's born, any life that comes from the male sex and the germ of life come from the hemoglobin, the blood. The blood is, the life is in the blood. Amen. 
The life is in the blood. It's springtime. Oh, we're looking forward to that, aren't we? But we preached this message, it was springtime. And he said, now all the birds are making nests, and they get a nest full of eggs. He said, now an old mother bird can go out there and make her nest so pretty and decorate it up with all kinds of feathers, and she can lay a nest full of eggs and set on them eggs so loyal until she could turn them every day exactly right. She can hover over them. She can keep them warm until such a way, he said, she'll starve herself to death. She'll get so poor she can't even... She can't get off the nest, but you go, go get her something to eat. She can't do that. She could be so loyal to them eggs, to her babies that's coming on. But if the female bird hasn't been in contact with the male, they'll never hatch. She's got to be in contact with the male. It reminds me of the churches today, he says. Sometimes we can build the most prettiest churches we get. We get so we had the best of the lot of deacons and everything else like that. And a big congregation and the mayor of the city and everybody coming to it and bragging about it. I think I heard a deacon cough back there. Yes, we have the best of the deacons. Thank you. I just want to put that in there. He says, but that's not what it's about. He says, but if we haven't been in contact with the new birth. With the male, Christ. You've got a nest full of rotten eggs. They'll lay there and rot. Every one of them. He said, what we need is a good old-fashioned nest cleaning. All the way from Presbyterians, Baptists, all the way down Pentecostals and all. You've got to come in contact with Jesus Christ's life. He is the one the hen can lay the egg. But it will not hatch unless she's been with the male bird. You need to catch this because you need to understand you have to get with Christ. You could be raised in a message church and sometimes that's worse. Let me just say this and stop you for a minute. Forget what you've been justified from. The point is you were justified. That's the old nature. Your real testimony is what God did for you. Praise be to God. I think of ones that came out of the world and they just one time got in the presence of Jehovah and it changed them. And they couldn't help it. Oh God. Let me just say, I was raised in a message church and I didn't have a whole lot of sin. I had a lot of iniquity. Because oftentimes I knew better. Or I knew what I should be doing. You had a young man come up here recently and he got rebaptized. Why? Because he said, I didn't do it right. I know the way I should have lived and I wasn't living that way. But when God came by, when he got in contact with the male bird, then it changed everything. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That old nature, it's not your husband anymore. That was your first. You were born in sin, shaped your iniquity. You came into this world speaking lies. But when you die out to that, it's not your husband anymore. So quit reminding your new husband of your old husband. You go ahead and try it. I know for a fact my dad, who's buried again, he doesn't keep reminding my stepmother of my mother. What a horrible relationship that would be. You that are in a marriage relationship, 
you know you wouldn't want that. If there was some previous relationship, oh, you know, that's not the way I, I used to have so much fun. I used to be this way. I used to be that way. What kind of relationship would that make? It would deteriorate, crumble it until it's nothing. It ruins all affection, all feeling. It ruins the love that's ought to be in a marriage relationship. So stop doing it in a spiritual relationship. That's, he's dead. He's blessed on. That's the old nature. He did those things. We need to stop giving place to the old nature, the critical spirits, the stubborn spirits, the complaining spirits. Stop giving place to those. That was the old nature. And look to Christ. That's the kind of people we ought to be. We should be free and happy and no condemnation, living above sin and disgrace, not on our own, but by Him. Hallelujah. We can't live on our own above these things, but if we forget the old nature, how does it happen? It takes the Spirit of God, the Holy Fire, to come and burn it out of you. And when that happens, don't give it any more place. It's not in control anymore. You've got a new control tower now. The Spirit of God in you. Hallelujah. Notice he says this. He says that he accepts me for what Christ has done for me. It isn't my holiness. My righteousness is his. I have none to offer him. I just accept his. So I I know he's pleased with that because he said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Oh, hallelujah, Brother Max. Glory be to God. He goes back to Mount Transfiguration where he raises him up in a glorified state and says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. And Brother Brown takes and says, that's who you received. You didn't just receive the son of God. You received the word made flesh today. Hallelujah. He says, and he raised him up from the dead. And just as he raised him up from the dead, so shall we be raised. For we are his bride, flesh of his flesh, bone of his bone. We shall, and we shall be with him. Why? Because it's not we're not a different spirit. We're the same spirit. He's the masculine. We're the feminine. He's the head. We're the body. Hope you got more time because I'm not done yet. And it says, and so will the church come through justification, sanctification, baptism of the Holy Ghost. That's the restoration of gifts. It says, right on into the formed image of Christ. It came through the stock. It came through all these things. So finally it had to go back to the original, not by chance, but because it was formed. It was put on the potter's wheel and it was formed to be exactly in the image of Christ. It'll have to be a word church. Christ is the bridegroom. The church is the bride and the bride is part of the bridegroom. It'll have to be a word church, not a denomination. It'll be a word church. That's what's made known with the vindicated word of God. Oh, praise be to God. We need to just cling to that to say we've got the vindicated word of God. I don't need to convince you that this is right or convince you that that's wrong. We've got the vindicated word of God in our midst today. If you're not sure about that, how many of y'all been justified? Vindicated. How many of y'all been sanctified? Vindicated. How many of y'all been filled with the Holy Ghost? Vindicated. 
He says, Balaam, he couldn't see the difference. Many can't. Pharaoh couldn't see it even though it was vindicated right before his eyes. Dathan couldn't see it. Dathan come out there and he seen Moses and knowed. He went out there and he said, you try and think you're the only one of the bunch. He said, the whole congregation is holy. God never did deal like that. Oh my. That hasn't changed today. It's still that God is a personal God. It's not that he comes down and, well, you attend this church. You're holy now. This is it. No, you got to be with the male bird. you got to be in the presence of Almighty God. you got to know him personally. He said he ought to have known better than that. Now, Brother Brown says in many places, he says, you might have had a feeling. That's good. You might have shouted. That's good. You might have spoken tongues. That's good. But it's got to be the life of God. It's got to be a change, a rendering of an image, a translation. Yeah. Hallelujah. Because one day there will be rendered unto God's all that is God's. How do I know what's God? It bears his image. He says he ought to have known better than that. Well, the whole congregation is holy. You try to make yourself, as we'd say it today, a street expression, you try to make yourself the only pebble on the beach. But Moses knew that God had sent him down there for that. He just said, Lord. He didn't get up and say, don't you know my vindication? Don't you know I met a burning bush? Don't you know I was the one that stood there with Aaron and he put down the rod and then turned to a snake? Don't you know I'm the one that touched the water? No, he got on his face. It's so striking to me, Brother Ed, when I read the, the Supernatural series of the life story of Brother Branham, how many times, you can count in there, how many times Brother Branham it's records, he went back to that old mill cave. When he got discouraged, when people began to backbite and begin to say things and begin to come back, he didn't get all up and say, look at what I've done. No, he got back to that old, old mill cave. Laid in the presence of God till God came down and moved on his behalf. Oh, we need more real Christians like that that are in the image of Christ who didn't get all worked up and come down when the Pharisees rejected him as their king and they said, what is these? Make them be quiet. They're singing Hosanna. They're singing all these things. Make them be quiet. And they rejected him. They kicked him out. He didn't get all up there and just call fire down from heaven. God himself got back up there in Bethany and began to weep and begin to cry and begin to pray. And begin to get earnest under the burden that he was there for. Oh my. God said, separate yourself. And who swallowed them up? God did. God opened the earth. God swallowed them up. All Moses had to do is separate himself. Oh my. What kind of an age are we living in? With me back over to Matthew chapter 13, if you still got your Bibles open. Matthew chapter 13, we'll read down further. Another parable of seeds. 13 and verse 37. It says, And he answered them and said unto them, He that soweth the good seed is the Son of Man. The field is the world, the good seed are the children of the kingdom, but the tares are the children of the wicked one. 
The enemy that sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the world. And the reapers are the angels. And therefore the tares are gathered and burned in the fire. So shall it be in the end of this world. He says in another place, pray the Lord of the harvest. Because the fields are as wide in his word. The harvest is ready. Pray the Lord of the harvest that he'll send laborers into the harvest. What do you think is happening right now? As down through seven church ages, God has spoken, God has spoken, God has spoken, but now God is silent because the word that he's spoken is being made manifest in sons and daughters. The beauty of all the seed that he's planted is coming up into the beautiful flower of the bride of Jesus Christ. And in all of that, what's happening, there's a binding of the tares together. And the wheat's going into the garner. Hallelujah. Sorry, maybe you need a quote for that. It says this. It says, but you remember when it went down and the grain began to ripen. And you find you begin before the grain can ripen. Everything in that stalk has to be dead. Why couldn't denominations keep carrying on? Why couldn't Luther keep carrying on? Why couldn't Methodists? Why couldn't Pentecostals? Why? It had to die because all of the life that was in there had to go back into the sea to bring it back to the original. It had to die. It says, can't you see where we're standing? Life is in the grain again, separating time. What is it? Just exactly like the grain that went in the ground. The same Jesus in the bride form. Same power, same church, same thing, same word. The same word sucked up through these and come out and come up to a head here. And all that life that come through there picked up its people. That there was a bride in, in the first church age. There was a bride in the second church age. Why? Because there was people that had received a predestinated seed and it just kept picking them up, picking them up, picking them up. Why? Because they, without us, cannot be made perfect. Because it has to come back up into the original state of the seed that went in the ground in Jesus. So the same word sucked that up and brought it to people. Now it's forming into a head for what? For the rapture. Well, you separated from your first union, that old nature. Oh, my. Let me just, let me nail that down a second. Go with me to Deuteronomy chapter 9. I just have to nail this down because I'm so sick and tired of this devil raising his head over and over again. But you don't know the seeds that I sowed when I was lost. You don't know the seeds that I sowed when I was struggling. You don't know the things that I've come through. Let me just express this to you. We're not trained in CPR. I'm not talking about pulmonary respiratory. I don't even know how to say that. Resuscitation, cardiopulmonary resuscitation. I'm talking about Christian purgatory resuscitation. We say, as long as I do good, as long as I act right, as long as I do this, I'll make it to heaven. I just gotta live a right life. I just gotta be good because, you know, I've done bad. I gotta make up for that. That's purgatory. Pharisees had 40 years or 400 years from Malachi to Matthew 
to perfect good works in the letter of the law. Let me tell you, tell you what it brought them. Fear, murder, oppression. Which one of those is from God? Just let it die. And be washed away by the water of the word. Spiritual death. Deuteronomy chapter 9 and verse 20. And you all remember, and, and, and we read last time, and you all know the scripture. Forgive me for saying y'all. But Exodus chapter 32, where we find that there was the calf Aaron made. He said, I just threw in the fire. This is what came out. But we know it was a graven image. He made it. He formed it into this purpose, this golden calf. What did Moses do? He took it. He threw it back in the fire. He ground it into the finest of powder. And he put it in the water. And he made the people drink the water. Now go to Deuteronomy chapter 9 and verse 21. And Moses begins to recount this to them. And he says, I took your sin. The calf which ye had made, and burnt it with fire, and stamped it, and ground it very small, even until it was as small as the dust, and I cast the dust thereof into the brook that descended out of the mount. He says, I took your sin. This is how hard it is to keep bringing up what you've been justified from. Jesus is saying, I took your sin at Calvary. I ground it up. I took it back down. I cast it into the water. So it was the same water you could drink it. The same water that condemned you is the same water that will save you. So that you could actually drown the algae. Drown the bad seed. Drown all those things that Satan has sown in your life with the washing of the water by the word of God. Just keep fading, keep fading till all of those things just begin to wash away out of your life. It has no more part in you because you are a seed, Jane of God, and you were made to express the image of Almighty God. Hallelujah. Don't worry about the Balaams that can't see the difference. Don't worry about the Dathans that can't see the difference. Don't worry about the world. They'll reject you because they rejected him. Oh, my. Oh, glory be to God. Drown that old seed. Loretto says, you know, you're born again. Or remarried again. To a new spiritual union. Of not your natural life of the things of the world, but of eternal life. This message is not a life decision as the world looks at life decisions. They call so many things, this is a life choice. What career are you going to choose? This is a life choice. What kind of partner are you going to choose? It ain't a life choice. That's a decision that affects your outcome in this life. But there's one life choice. That's eternal life. Because you were given a free moral agency to choose. That's the life choice. So are you going to accept eternal life or are you going to reject it because you're busy having too much fun with the old nature? Oh my. When you reach out and just meet the master. Says so that germ that was in you at the beginning found you. 
Not that it was some great something way off far, but that germ that was in you, that seed that was in you that was despised and rejected and cast out, it finally found you. Hallelujah. Once you receive that new birth, there is no going back. There is no more turning around. You can't go back to that old nature. You can't pick up a shovel and start digging in that watery grave. If you dig in dirt, you'll find you dig and there's a hole. Go do that in water. Yeah, there's no more hole. You can sit there and do it all day long. It's just coming back. It's just coming back. It's just coming back. Why? Because it was cast into the stream that came out of the mount. Because you were always a part of Mount Zion. You were always a part of that kingdom that will come down and smash every other kingdom and grow up into a great mountain. And it's an everlasting kingdom. And you receive that kingdom. And you can't go back anymore because it's done washed away. Hallelujah. Oh my, you ever hear somebody calling to you and you're getting farther and farther away? It's John, 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 John. That's the way that old nature ought to be. It's just been washed away to finally at one point. It was so loud and oh, I had to listen to it till finally it gets quieter and quieter and quieter and quieter and quieter and quieter. Till suddenly, oh, you can't hear it anymore. Oh, praise be to God. You say, when will I not be able to hear it anymore? Well, as far as I understand, that's going to be a body change. When it's finally done so far gone that we no longer have this old flesh anymore that continually afflict us. Oh, let me give you one more. You still got time? Amen. Amen. Jesus said, no man has seen God at any time. But the only begotten of the Father has declared him. Now there's an expression. He declared him. It's a declaration. This is the image. In other words, God was identified, the person of God was identified in the body, the Lord Jesus Christ. So he was the expressed image of God, God expressing himself through an image. See? Through an image. You know, Satan's such a perverter. He likes to take God's program and pervert it to make an image a dead substance. God never used a dead image. He always used living epistles. He says, through an image, man, God expressed himself to us that he was God. Not a third person, not a second person. He was the person, God. He was God himself identifying himself. In, 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 in 1 Timothy 3.16, it says this, without controversy or without argument, great is the mystery of godliness for God was manifested or made known in the flesh. He says we can never understand God as he moved through the pillar of fire. And so forth as he did, but we understand him when he became one of us, when he became man. He said, then he would talk to us, and we could feel him. 
We could handle him. We could touch him and everything. And as the scriptures plainly says that we have handled God with our hands, touched him with our hands. God is in man. And he identified himself today in his church, in the born again Christian. God identifies himself that he remains God. He's the same yesterday and forever. Amen. And he says, in the outside world, we'll only know God as they see God in you and I. That's the only way they'll know God when it's been a written epistle, epistles of the scripture we are read of all men. Oh, catch that. Written epistles were epistles of the scripture. Not epistles of all the things that have happened in our lives, but epistles of the scripture because we are the vindication. The manifestation that the word of God is true. And that's the only way they'll ever know it. Man, all through the eons of time, and you could read Hislop's two Babylons and all these things. Man has gone down and tried to create an image and said, this is God. And that is God. But there's a prophet coming down saying the only way they will ever know who God is. The only way they'll ever see God is a living image of the Scripture. A living epistle of the Scripture. We are read of all men, and the life that we live reflects what's on the inside. There's the reflection. In your soul, it's an expression. And your, your flesh and your spirit begin to reflect what God already expressed. A man is identified by the works that he does. He says this, he says, which is when you get that, when you become a new creature, it brings your whole physical being, spiritual being, everything in subject to the word of God. Not no other way. You can't do it by honing your own image. It has to be by a birth. You have to be with the male. When Christ comes in you and takes over, he'll express that word right through you because it's him. He's the word. Then you can see the expression of Christ, not some illusion of some sort. Catch this, brother. Then you can see the expression of Christ. It's not some illusion of some sort. It's not a trick of the devil. It doesn't matter how long it takes. Let's so be so careful we don't get a Pentecostal idea that everything has to be an instantaneous day of Pentecost. We forget that they were stuck in that room, I think, 10 days. It didn't just boom, it happened as soon as they got in the upper room. No, sir, that's a denominational idea that the only way God moves is it's just no, it says the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. And there was another day, and there was another day, and there was another day, whether that was a day or whether that was a thousand years or whether that was millions and billions of years, I don't really care. But God moved and he moved and he moved until finally the image that was made to be expressed began to come out in the beauty of what the thoughts of God always were. Praise be to God, it might take a day, it might take a year, it might take five months, six months, it might take ten years, but just stay in the presence of Almighty Jehovah. 
Oh, I keep coming back to the well of grace. Great is the power and sweet is the taste. Oh, the blessings of God just pour out from there. Let me drink of that same water he drowned my sin in. Let's stand to our feet together. Isn't God good to give us so many blessings? Undeserving, that's what we are. But we ought to love him, to thank and to praise him. Just a little more today and a whole lot more tomorrow. Hallelujah. 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 It's not some illusion of some sort, but the real, genuine Christ expressing himself right through you. And Brother Benham says these next words. He says, how beautiful. Hallelujah. He wasn't looking at seed form anymore. He was looking at the expression of Christ on display in a bride. How beautiful. Hallelujah. There was an expression. God isn't coming for some demented, ugly bride. <laughs> He's washed her clean. He took all that demented perversion of the devil out. He washed you clean of that. You're not guilty of that anymore. Let the blood of Jesus Christ just cover me. So that to him, when I'm presented to him as a chaste virgin. Hallelujah. How beautiful. Just beyond the veil. I long to see your face. Just beyond. To see your beauty there, just beyond the veil. Beautiful you are, and beautiful you are, beautiful you are, beautiful you are. You you this morning you don't have to keep live, bringing up that old husband he came so that you could be free free from that old nature you don't have to come up here on an altar you don't have to do any special thing you just need to raise your hands to him and say Lord I accept what you did for me it's not my righteousness it's not what anything I could ever do but Lord I come and I just want to live under your blood I want to be an expression of your word, oh God. Forgive me when I've tried to go about it my own way. I've tried to do it my own way, oh God. I want to lay down all of the old man. I want to quit bringing him up before you and say, oh God, remember this, remember that. But Lord, remember what you did for me. 
Remember how you died for me. Remember how you took my sin. Remember how you bore my grief. You bore my sorrow. Oh, the chastisement I pieces upon you. You took my iniquity. By your stripes I'm healed. It ain't got one thing to do with me, only that I purify myself. Sanctify me, oh God. Heavenly Father. Lord, you see every hand that's raised. You see every heart that's represented here. Lord, I pray if there's one here that hasn't been in the presence of the male, that hasn't got to know you personally, that hasn't received the life. Lord, we don't want to produce rotten eggs. We don't want to produce just a bunch of rotten eggs and say, oh, they look so pretty, they're nice eggs. But Lord, we want a life. Lord, if you would just come now, Lord, and just sweep over each soul. Come make yourself real, oh God, for we need to be with you. Just five minutes in the presence of God. We say that over and over, Lord, but we know that it's true. We ask that you would come down and vindicate your word, Lord. Father, that you would give encouragement where it's needed. Give life where it's needed. Lord, cause growth, Lord Jesus. Let the water lilies expand out their paths this morning. Lord, that it would choke out the life of all the sins of the past, Lord. Father, we want to come and just keep drinking. Keep drinking at the well of grace. You said you cause us to come by still waters. You lead us to green pastures, oh God. Father, we love you so much. Oh, how we love you, Jesus. God, we love you. We commit ourselves to you in Jesus' name. Make me more like thee, Jesus. your heart. 